problems on his end so we'll carry the fort for him during that time right now joining me today i got the beardless beardless ginger john alcorn chris bacon and also <laughs> sammy sharp joining us as well and before we uh, ask how everyone's doing you can you can subscribe to our page on our and our podcast channel on on facebook and youtube and instagram Follow us on Twitter and also check out our articles and blogs on the MI6 Sports website. So let's get things started here. John, how are you doing, my friend? We're good, my man. I just watched a little bit of preseason football here, and I know it's just preseason, but man, that Eagles defense has no discipline yet. But get it. It's just preseason, folks. All right, John. We'll talk about that during the show. So Chris and Sammy, how are you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, I can't uh, complain, Lowro. How have you been today? Been great. I had a great week last week. I mean, I I was celebrating my birthday with friends and family. I want to shout shout out to my friends and also to my family for giving me a great or or giving me a great birthday last week. And if you're watching, uh, I just wanted to recognize you guys for that. So you all know that my birthday was last week. So I messaged everybody on the mi6 network about that so uh anyways folks with that being said let's lead things off with the nfl segment so i was watching the patriots and eagles first half of that game and i was like man like what john said before the show was before we before we were talking about this nfl segment you were saying that the eagles have no discipline defensively but it's only preseason so, what are your biggest takeaways from the first half of the Patriots and Eagles game? First of all, again, it may be just preseason. Yeah, they do have some stars of the defensive side of the ball. But we're kind of seeing early on, like the announcers are saying, for the Patriots is that they're going to be running the football a lot. Yes, Mac Jones is so-called their future franchise quarterback for the future. Does it? I'm not saying it's going to work out, but their vision is run the football. You pass here and there. You were very decent, and the Patriots are able to get the best out of the running backs. David Harris of the Patriots' first drive off of a terrible snap out of the offensive lineman. I mean, my goodness, Christian Bacon said, I don't know if y'all sell out here and watch it. It was like literally 10 yards over Joe Flacco's head in two plays. They needed the Patriots score. It was just the first half. Who knows what can happen? But, um, of course, Jerry Hurts was out, out with a uh, illness. Of course, uh, it wasn't COVID-19. Who knows what it was, but 
Thankfully, he'll be okay, and uh, we'll just see what happens. Joe Flacco doing Joe Flacco things like he Joe Flacco, like he has his whole career. But um, if we see just a tiny bit of what the Patriots could do, you never know what's going to happen this season. Yeah, you never know what happened this season. You never know, but Joe Flacco starting had to be a surprise, but didn't know that Jalen Hurts had an illness here. So, Sammy, I'm going to go to you next. What are your biggest takeaways from watching the Patriots and uh, an Eagles uh, preseason match? Uh, that Cam Newton doesn't look bad, uh, that bad, uh, as, uh, horrible as he was, uh, this year, uh, last, late last year, but, you know, like we said, it is preseason, you know, we, this isn't a uh, full speed defenses and them strategizing against Cam Newton, but he's looking like he's made some improvements, uh, within the new England offense, bringing the defense a little bit better and, you know, more comfortable as a uh, pocket passer than he was, uh, last year. But um, another one was, you know, we're not really seeing Mac Jones um, elevate himself into, you know, where we could say, oh, this guy could be starting week one or week two or very soon. Um, he's very – he's playing like I would expect a backup quarterback to play at this point in time. I think he there's time for him to develop, but I, I'm not seeing enough from him personally to sit there and say, well, yeah, this is uh, New England's next guy. I still think that we'll talk about Mac Jones and Cam Newton in just a minute. I'm going to go to Christopher, Chris, Chris Bacon next. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on uh, on the – what was your biggest takeaways on the Patriots and Eagles' first half? That the Patriots are dominating against the Eagles. I mean, I would have thought the Eagles would kind of match it or, or at least get some kind of touchdown, but I don't know. I, I feel like – Mac Jones is probably better than Cam Newton at this point. I know it's preseason, but I, I don't think either quarterback may be long term your long term solution. They should get like a uh, a better veteran quarterback, maybe on staff. Yeah, I mean we'll have to w- wait and see on that. So let's uh, talk. Let's go to our comment section first. Isaiah Leong was saying, uh, "Let's pop up his comment here." He said. Watching y'all on my cracked phone. Computer taking years to turn on. Be in shortly, y'all. Thanks, John, for holding it down for me. Please don't go all that delusional. That's what. Uh, That's very ironic, Christian Bacon. And say you can't call me delusional. We're not going to get in there. Just like you don't interact with the cable there and the cranky dude. And then Isaiah <laughs> Leong said, uh, also, he said, I want Nick Seriani to put in Nick Mullins already. We know what Flacco can do we've seen it for some 15 years we want nick we want nick so my thoughts is that i think nick mullins might even battle for that third string slot for the quarterback position for the philadelphia eagles so isaiah leong also was tweeting that he wants adam barber brandon herrera and j mac coast to coast to be joining our show and then Christy Wilson, a top fan of this show, said, I agree with Chris on Mac Jones. So, speaking of Mac Jones, let's talk about, based off what you've seen in training camp and preseason, should Mac Jones or Cam Newton be the Patriots starting quarterback week one? I'm going to go first on this one. From what I've seen in training camp, I think Mac Jones should be the Patriots starting quarterback week one because I think Cam Newton looks washed up, and I think that Cam Newton should just be a backup quarterback at this point. And I, the reason why I say that 
is because the future of the Patriots starts right now, and you got to start Mac Jones under center come week one when the Patriots take on the Miami Dolphins. And I say that because I want to see Mac Jones go up against his former college teammate, Tua Tagovailoa. And that would be some type of matchup week one when the Patriots host the Miami Dolphins. Tua Tagovailoa versus Mac Jones. That would be something special to see former Alabama quarterbacks go head-to-head. Beardless Ginger John, based on what you've seen in training camp and in preseason, do you think the Patriots should start Mac Jones? Do you think they should go with Cam Newton in week one? I think what it is here is that we always teach our kids patience and how to to get what you want or know the outcome. You need to be patient. It would be absolutely asinine to bring him back to his week. Because if you're saying, like Cam Newton, watch him again, because Cam Newton never that great here. But you look at it, if you're concerned about Cam Newton getting hit or being washed up, the last thing you want to do is put in your rookie quarterback, Chris Bacon, say we've seen that, yes, quarterbacks are getting a lot better faster. You can maybe contribute a little bit to better coaching or finding the right staff. It's not always about finding the young head coach. I don't think you should put in Matt Jones week one because think about it. Because the problem is if you don't have the offense tailored to what you, you know his talents are, it's just making a mistake. It's going to make him look worse than what he is. I'm not saying he's a pro bowler. I'm not saying he's an all pro or if you can hit it. But if the offense is tailored to Cam Newton this year to help develop Mac Jones off the field, you don't put in Mac Jones in that offense, especially if that offense is, is tailored to Cam Newton, it's not going to help Mac Jones. We saw that in year one with Lamar Jackson. I'm not comparing Lamar Jackson, but it's the same subject in terms of, hey, the offense is centered towards Joe Flacco. Yes, Lamar had some plays, made some plays. Once you saw the offense go towards Lamar in 2018, in 2020, you start to see what so far, what Lamar Jackson could be. And that's where you have to approach it with every single rookie quarterback. But no, yes, Cam Newton's lost his edge. But it's, it's not smart to bring a rookie quarterback too quick, especially if you're concerned a little bit about the offensive line, especially who, who's the offense going to be tailored to. If we don't know, why would you pressure your rookie quarterback? Well, the reason why I want Mac Jones to start week one, John, is because I think that uh, if you look at it, I think Mac Jones kind of plays like Tom Brady in college, and I've seen, how, I've seen him play in Alabama, and I really am excited about the future of Mac Jones at quarterback for the Patriots. And I think that uh, I really think that it's definitely going to work out. I really think that he gets better and better each game. So Chris, I'm going to go to you on this one. Based on what you've seen in training camp and in preseason, should Mac Jones or Cam Newton be the Patriots starting quarterback in week one? I feel like long term it should be Mac Jones, but maybe for the first, I don't know, quarter of the season. Maybe you should go with Cam Newton. Maybe for at least not not four games, maybe two games, just just to see how a regular season goes. Uh, and, and then maybe you put in Mac Jones. But but I think Mac Jones is probably your future. Yeah, Mac Jones is definitely the future at the position at quarterback. That's for sure. So Sammy, I'm going to go to you next. Based on what you've seen in training camp and in preseason. Should Mac Jones or Cam Newton be the Patriots' starting quarterback in week one? Well, as we've been talking about this, I'm already watching uh, Mac Jones' throws specifically. 
And, uh, you know, I'm seeing, you know, a lot of open throws, you know, which is good. But on one hand, he threw it way behind a running back uh, that was five yards ahead of him. I don't know how you throw uh, your professional, you know, NFL-level player and cannot hit a guy that's right in front of you on the numbers. But, you know, it is what it is. And then there was another drop. It was a dropped interception. And, you know, I haven't – other than that, though, I'm not too mad at it. I mean, he's making the basic plays. He's making the plays that you need to make in the NFL that win you play-by-play, not forcing anything, which is a good sign from a rookie quarterback. But, like I said, I think that Cam Newton right now is more comfortable in the offense. And if the Patriots want to win now, which I don't think Belichick wants to rebuild uh, the state that they're in with their defense, I think that their best bet is to go Cam Newton at week one and to ride it out unless something tragic happens if Cam Newton's play severely falls off or if he gets hurt. Uh, those are the only two times that I'd bench Cam Newton personally, um, you know, because I'm looking at Mac Jones. Uh, he's not ready to be a, a QB1 in the NFL. Um, he might be the fourth best Alabama quarterback right now in the uh, professional football league behind uh, Tua Tagovailoa, behind – um, Jalen Hurts, and I would say even behind A.J. McCarron. Okay, so I put him fourth place right now as far as Alabama quarterbacks go. Uh, I, I'm not too sold on him right now, so I would want to see him more developed into the system. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Mac Jones is going to look – I think he's looked comfortable in the system, Sammy, and I really think that uh, I really think that Mac Jones will definitely be the Patriots' week one starter. Now let's go back to our comment section. So Ishmael Lancaster said something right here. He said, what is up, guys? And then he has a comment for you, John. And he said, John, looks like Drew Locke will be your Broncos starter this season. Have fun. John, can you allude to that? I said Drew Locke is a bum. I don't want him on my team. Now, obviously, if he's going to succeed – how can I be mad at that? I would rather be wrong and then the guy succeed and then me be right and then him not succeed because, of course, you, you, he, he just loves to troll. We both know this has been a thing since late, I think, late last year when uh, one of the big fans didn't use didn't use a timeout there. So, uh, yeah, he just loves to troll, so I don't engage with trolling because uh, – I don't want to talk about that. But, yeah, he just loves to get on my nerves, but it's all good and fun. So my question for you, uh, John, is do you want to see Teddy Bridgewater take over the reins at quarterback? I don't know if it's even with them because here's the thing, though. Like, let's say Drew Lyle works out. This is his last year of his contract. Remember, he's a second-round pick in 2018. This is his last year of his contract. So suppose if you pay Drew Locke, Boom, next three, four years. What happens the next year and a half? Corn Sun's going to have to get paid. Regardless if he, he's not going to actually get top order, top tier receiver money, but he's going to have to get paid. What do you do with Alvin Gordon launcher? What about in the next two and a half years? You got now a fan. So that's the problem when you have to sign your quarterback. You got to think not just about your quarterback. What about your other guys moving forward? How is that going to affect your team? Timing when you sign contracts is key. If Drew like, like, if Drew like this is the guy, I, that would be great. But the fact of the matter is right now, I would rather say Teddy for this year, but after this year is going to be a huge question. This is who do you pay? Because this is this is a high pressure year for the Broncos. But again, even if they do well, it's the defense and the running game, so they don't, maybe don't have to pay him a whole lot of money. 
All right. So let's go. Let's also uh, go uh, to our. Let's continue on with our comments section here. Christy Wilson said, uh, "I think Mac Jones should be the starter. I'm with her on that, 100 percent." Cam Newton hasn't been the same ever since John's Broncos beat his Panthers in the Super in Super Bowl Fifty. Uh, I'm gonna say here, Christy, I am with you. Uh, Mac Jones being the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots Week One, I definitely think that should happen. But I want to see I want to see him get work with the ones too. I think I think. You have Hunter Henry, Janu Smith, Kendrick Bjorn, Nelson Aguilar. Those are pretty solid weapons to work with with Matt Jones. That's what I think. But I think that Cam Newton is – I think Cam Newton has not been the same. I think he is for sure washed up. And we're going to show another comment by Christy Wilson. She said, I think Cam Newton has really lost his edge. And, and also uh, the chair with James Gonzalez. He said, hi, everyone. And uh, he also said that start Mac, which I agree, and make Cam earn it, which I totally agree with there. I definitely am with Christy Wilson and with the chair with James Gonzalez. All right. So other news to talk about in the NFL is that the Jets defensive end Carl Lawson ruptured his Achilles, and he's out for the year. And do I think this is really a big blow to the Jets' defense? I think it, it it is in some way because you need help on the edge on that side of the ball. I think the Jets have definitely improved on that side of the ball as well. I think their interior defense has been very, very good as well. So I'm going to ask John about this. How big of a blow of this is for the Jets to lose Carl Lawson? I mean, he's a very decent defensive player, but I don't want to say that is a big blow to to the to the Jets. I mean, they're in rebuild mode. They were in like huge contention this year, and your star defensive player that we that that's losing Bob Miller during the Super Bowl season. That that would be that type of impact. But that's not Carl Lawson. He's a very decent defensive player, but no, I don't think it's a huge blow to the Jets. Yes, he mostly is coming off a torn ACL. Who knows what's going to happen with Quentin Williams? But no, I don't think it's that huge of a blow, especially with uh, with a new head coach. Anything's possible. Yeah, I like Robert Sala. I think Robert Sala is a very good head coach for the Jets. He's the right person to lead them. And uh, Chris Bacon, I'm going to go with you next. What, you, what do you think that uh, do, do you think that this is a huge blow for the Jets to lose Carl Lawson? I think I think it's a big loss. Um, yeah, the Jets are rebuilding, and any key piece that they have already is, you know, is a big blow right now. I, I think they're in trouble. <laughs> they might be in trouble, but uh, they might be in trouble, but we'll have to wait and see. So, anyways, uh, anyways, I'm gonna go with Sammy on this one. So, uh, so how big of a blow? is this for the Jets to lose Carl Lawson to a torn Achilles? I think it's huge because uh, Carl Lawson is a pretty good uh, pass rusher. Uh, I would say in the top 15 of the league's pass rushers. And, you know, tearing your Achilles, is gonna you're going to lose a lot of explosiveness in the long run. I feel bad for him because that's really it's what's going to impact him. He's going to lose his, base, his most valuable asset, especially in a league where teams are looking left and right for a pass rusher. 
And whenever you have a pass rusher of uh, Carl Lawson's, uh, you know, level, to for him to lose one of uh, one uh, Achilles, and hopefully, you know, he's able to recover it. But it's very unlikely he, that Achilles is going to recover, uh, unfortunately. But you know, <clears throat> hopefully it does. But if it doesn't, you know, that's a very uh, bad mark in his career, and I don't know if he will, you know, return to the same level of, uh, you know, explosiveness and being able to pass rush like he used to. And as for the Jets, I mean, the Jets, were all, I think we're all expecting the Jets to be bad this year, so I'm not sure uh, that will impact their season uh, too much. It's gonna, I don't think that's going to take away any wins that they're going to win. So I, I, as far as the Jets, I don't think it will impact him. But as far as uh, Carl Lawson himself, I think this is huge. I think this might be huge for the Jets' defense to lose a player like that. So, anyways, let's go back to our comment section. Let's go with, to talk about – let's take a look at this comment as James Gonzalez said something here. And he said – he said here, da, 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 the young Jets' defense will just have to rally together after this loss. And if you guys can allude to that, do you think that even though that the Jets have a young defense – Robert Sala is going to be most likely going to be in charge of that side of the ball. Do you think that this Jets team can rally together, especially on defense? I don't think so. I mean, I think they'll definitely make some good plays here. We get you have what CJ Mosley still there, but he's coming off an injury from 2020. That big free agent signing last year, so I think for the Jets, is. Yes, you got Quillen Williams. Do we know the future with them? Who really knows? I can't think of anybody else on that stuff. I think they have like your safety, your free safety, your fireman, Kevin Race, name on top of my head, Sammy and Christy Baking. But other than that, I don't see how these guys can really rally up. And even if they do, you're not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to get seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve wins here. So what's the expectation? Even if somehow you rally in some games, who really knows what's going to happen with the offense? I don't think they can. But hopefully with that Robert Solomon forward as a defensive mind head coach, you can look at guys in the draft that can help build. Because if you're trying to rebuild this Jets team, you don't want to rely on older defensive free agent players. Because if you rely on the young ones, you have more time to develop those defensive players. And I'm gonna to go to you, Sammy, on this one. What do you what can you allude to about this young Jets defense that just has to rally together after this loss? Do you think that the Jets can find way other players to step up without uh, Carl Lawson. You know, one, one thing that's really undervalued by the Jets is that I feel like they're always good at developing their defensive players. Uh, they're a very underrated uh, organization when it comes to developing players because most of the time that they don't say because the team just stays bad with a bad quarterback or bad head coaching decisions. But they're really good at developing players. So I think that they can find a uh, player to step up and be a breakout player in a bright uh, spot for their season. But I don't expect it to uh, result to any uh, to any significance as far as wins and losses go. Oh, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that, uh, Sammy, right, right there. So, Chris, what do you think? Do you think the Jets' defense can rally together after this loss? I feel like they can. It's just going to take some time, but I feel like they can. I mean, it's going to take some time here, but I think that uh, I think that if you look at it, I really think that the Jets, the Jets have. I mean, Robert Sala is going to do, is going to have his say. 
on how he's going to want to develop that defense, which is for sure going to be his call and his plays that is going to be calling. That's for sure. Anyways, folks, moving on now to the NBA segment. Uh, we'll talk about the NBA releasing the season opening schedule in just a few minutes. The Charlotte Hornets, however, have inked Terry Rozier to a massive four-year, $97 million contract extension. And do you guys think that do you like this move? Do you love it? Do you hate it by this move by the Charlotte Hornets? I'm going to say here, I think Terry Rozier is going to turn into being an elite player for the Charlotte Hornets. What do you guys think? Yeah, I can see it. I mean, you, you keep a, a player that, that's been around your team for a while, and you keep that cohesiveness, and you could probably win a championship or, or at least go far in the playoffs. And what about you, John? What do you think about that extension for the Charlotte Hornets to ink Terry Rozier to a four-year extension? Definitely, he can continue to be a star player for the Hornets. I just want to see how that works out. If you develop your rookie last year, uh, Ball and his brother to come in, and so how that develops as a core, who knows? Yes, he's a great player. I'm not. I'm not ever going to dog on a guy getting this money. So congrats to him. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, I think if you look at it, I think that, uh, I think that, I think that Terry Rozier is turning out to being that a uh, franchise player for the Hornets, along with Lamelo Ball. So, anyways, uh, let's uh, go to Sammy on this one before we go back to our comment section. What do you think about the Hornets extending uh, Terry Rozier? Uh, I don't like the part personally. Uh, you know, uh, he has not hit foul. He was supposed to have a breakout year a couple years ago. The dude's 27 years old. Uh, you know, if he hasn't found his, you know, mate way to find be an elite player, uh, I don't think he's going to find it, uh, at 28 years old or 29 years old or 30, 31 years old. So, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to find that that late into his career. Especially how now you have your franchise point guard, and now you're paying a lot of money. He was, in my opinion, Terry Rogier is already one of the most overpaid players in the league, and now you're going to pay him even more to stay on your roster to potentially be Lamelo uh, Ball's backup in the long run, uh, to be his backup. So I, I don't get why you do that instead of uh, getting Lamelo Ball possibly another star or getting another young player to uh, add around the Charlotte Hornets. But this is why the Charlotte Hornets have been bad for so long. Yeah, you, you, yeah, but I think now this team has a bright future and they can really build this team around LaMelo Ball. So, anyways, folks, let's uh, go back to our comments section. And the chair with James Gonzalez, he says, I am skeptical about Terry Rozier. And, uh, and he also said that Good that Rogier did that. Good that Rogier did find a home. I agree with that. And then we're going to allude to this: the Hornets need to trade for a big piece. What do you guys think? I think no. I think you keep continuing to develop that young talent around Lamelo Ball and see where you go from there. What about you, John and uh, and Chris and Sammy? What do you guys think? Hmm. 
I'll start with John first. What do you think? Do you think the Hornets need to trade for a big piece? Well, I mean, you could have. Or try to get like a good player, like Sam was saying. But now you pay Terry's your what, eighty-seven plus million dollars on a, I believe saying like a four-year deal for him. Yeah, that was. I think if you look at it, I think that that might be a good move. You know. So now you could have before, but now that you paid him, you got a ball on there. Ricky do you bring in his brother? You have whatever is going to happen, I believe, with what's in there that used to play for the Celtics. It's not like, unless I don't know their cash situation, it's not like they're really going uh, gonna to do anything at this point. You could have gotten a young player, maybe like a veteran boy, how the NBA works. Now that you paid him, you make another dumb financial decisions. And just like Sammy was saying, that's why the Charlotte Hornets are so bad. They will continue to be Mr. Higgins. How are we doing? <laughs> All right, folks. So with that being said, we want to welcome Isaiah Leong, the Asian Skip Bayless, joining us after he's dealt with technical difficulties. We thought that he wasn't going to be on. Isaiah, welcome. So we're just on the Terry Rozier extension. Do you love? Do you like this move? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Or do you think? Or do or do you hate this move by the Charlotte Hornets? Well, it's good to see you guys. You know, I really thought that I wasn't going to be able to make it tonight. I, I was texting Loro back and forth saying how I was dealing with so many, so much technical difficulties. My computer wouldn't turn on, even though it was literally working in the morning. And then for some reason, I put it to sleep and then it doesn't wake up and it doesn't turn on until I somehow miraculously got it to turn on uh, about like 20 25 minutes ago so thank goodness those technical difficulties are behind me uh it's good to be on the show tonight with you guys but about the terry rosier extension you know i like the deal because terry rosier you know he was good during the beginning of his career with the boston celtics he kind of fell off a bit during his final season with boston although you can say that it wasn't really his fault because he um, he was playing like in a Celtics team with Kyrie, Jason Tatum, uh, Jalen Brown. I believe they also had Marcus Smart as well. They had too many ball handlers on that team, and he just didn't fit with that ball club. And I remember that Celtics team. This was, I think, two years ago. Um, they they just had so much chaos, so much toxic toxicity going on, and you know it was just really bad and he moved on to charlotte and i think he's found a home with the charlotte hornets he played really well with the charlotte hornets last year or in his first year with the hornets he averaged 18 points per game 4.4 rebounds per game and then in 2020 uh last season he played 69 games and 70 out of 72 games averaged 20 points per game next to LaMelo Ball. Um, I think him and LaMelo Ball can be a really dynamic backcourt. You know, Ball's a really great passer. He's a pass-first point guard, while Terry Rozier is kind of like a shooting guard. He's a guy that, you know, wants to go out there and get buckets. So I think they fit really, really well together. Um, and I think that he's well-deserving. You know, he's well-deserving of the extension that he's got, especially how he's performed in the two years that he's been with the Charlotte Hornets. Absolutely, Isaiah. You had a good point there. So, uh, Chris and Sammy, I'm going to start on Sammy with, with you on this one. So, you said something about the Charlotte. So, uh, so uh, we'll move on. So, so Chris, I'm going to go with you next. So, yeah. what do you think about Terry Rozier getting a four-year, $97 million extension? 
I mean, as long as it helps the team, which I don't know if that really it sounds like it doesn't help, but you, you don't want to trade too many pieces, but maybe you should get some, some like uh, reinforcements maybe to help, but hopefully it'll turn out good. And what about you, Sammy? Do you like that move for the Hornets to extend Terry Rozier? Uh, no. Uh, you know, uh, as, as far as uh, back to the comment where, you know, he was saying about adding a piece, uh, should the Hornets add a piece, uh, you know, with, between uh, extending Terry Rozier's bad contract and, you know, um, having to – because here's the thing. In the, the, I think Terry Rozier has been there for two years, I do believe. In the two years, Devontae Graham, who plays at the p- same position, uh, broke out as a considerable star uh, on the Hornets his first year, uh, Terry Rozier's first year there. And his second year, Lamella Ball, they drafted him, and he won Rookie of the Year. So you have two players at the position that were more capable at the position uh, as you're paying mil- uh, at least double di- – uh, what is it? I'll be eight figures to somebody who can't, uh, is supposed to be starting and supposed to be the franchise point guard uh, in ter- Terry Rozier. So my question is about uh, to you guys is, uh, what's the definition of insanity? Either <laughs> my Isaiah's takes or doing the same thing over and over again. Well, definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. and expecting different results. And signing Terry Rozier long term with a team that barely made the playoffs, I think do believe the only reason why they were in the playoffs is because of the uh, play-in tournament. And that the only reason why they – so you're taking that same exact team and expecting them to go miles beyond better because of LaMelo Ball probably be, being healthy. Not because Terry Rozier, who you already paid millions upon millions on, uh, coming back. So, you know, because he was on – I'm pretty sure he played in that playoff playing game uh last year or yeah this past year i i could be wrong yeah he did play in the playing game so you know to re-sign him and make him one of your top priorities i don't understand that uh i do understand though getting another star to help with uh gordon hayward and to help with lamella ball in the win now situation that they could be in and extending it out until lamella ball's prime and the end of his prime that could definitely happen there, that's for sure, Sammy. So let's go on to the second topic on the NBA segment. The NBA released the season opening schedule. But we also want to talk about some Christmas Day games as well, but we'll get to that in just a minute. So let's take a look here at who will be playing on opening night. So on Tuesday, October 19th, you get the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Milwaukee Bucks, followed by the Golden State Warriors taking on the Los Angeles Lakers. And then on Wednesday, October 20th, the Boston Celtics will take on the New York Knicks, followed by the Phoenix Suns hosting the Denver Nuggets. And then on Thursday, October 21st, the Dallas Mavericks will take on the Atlanta Hawks. And then the Los Angeles Clippers will be taking on the uh, Golden State Warriors. And then on Friday, you get the Brooklyn Nets taking on the Philadelphia 76ers and then the Lakers taking on the Phoenix Suns, and let's I'm going to say which games am I looking forward to the most on the schedule. I'm looking forward to seeing when the Lakers play the Suns on the 22nd and also opening night when the Lakers take on the Golden State Warriors. Isaiah, I'm going to start with you on this one. You love Devin Booker. I know you're going to say you're looking forward to seeing 
these Phoenix Suns matchups against the Nuggets and Lakers. What are you looking forward to seeing in 2021 NBA tip-off? Well, the games that I'm looking forward to the most uh, definitely got to be the season opening game for the Lakers because I think that this season will be one of the highly, most highly anticipated season in all of Lakers history because you got uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and they finally get that third star in Russell Westbrook, and you got Carmelo Anthony. Plus, you brought in all the former Lakers to rejoin your team. So there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of hype around this Laker ball club. And I can't wait to get to October 19. I can't wait for that day to come uh, and for that matchup to see how uh, the big three of Carmelo, I mean, uh, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis, how they fit together. That's going to be really interesting to see and how Carmelo Anthony does uh, coming off the bench in leading that Lakers bench unit. So I'm, I'm really excited to see that game. Uh, especially against the Golden State Warriors, because I don't think Klay Thompson will be playing. Um, he might be playing, I don't know, but we'll see. But that matchup definitely will be a good test for the Los Angeles Lakers. And the other matchups um, I'm looking forward to, Nets and Bucks, because let's face it, guys, if Kevin Durant's uh, foot was an inch shorter than how, uh, how big his foot is, if he was just an inch shorter, you would see the Brooklyn Nets possibly going to the Eastern Conference Finals. So I think that that's going to be another great game to watch. Um, Lakers and Suns, definitely, because the Lakers have that bitter taste in their mouth after the Suns beat them in six games. Yeah, in six games uh, in the Western Conference first round, they want to avenge that defeat. Uh, and then you have the big three versus Devin Booker and Chris Paul and the Phoenix Suns. So that's going to be an, another exciting game to watch. And I believe, Loro, uh, if we could pull up that picture of the t uh, the Kia tip-off schedule, I believe uh, the Warriors and the Clippers were on that list as well. Um, but that that's a, always an exciting matchup to look forward to. Yeah, Warriors and Clippers on Thursday, October 21, on TNT, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that's another exciting game to watch. Anytime the Warriors and the Clippers matchup, no matter who's on both ball clubs, that's always an exciting uh, matchup to look forward to. So those are like the three matchups that I'm really looking forward to. Those are great matchups here. We're also going to talk about uh, some Christmas Day matchups in just a minute here. So Beardless Ginger, out of all these games on opening week in the NBA, what do you? What game are you looking forward to the most when the 2021-2022 season tips off? Man, I really want to see uh, Cameron Durant fully healthy and keeps his form too. I know they just had a, he just had an interview with Jamond Green. They think the other day and they hashed it out. So I mean, I think that would be just another game that I would really look forward to is the, the Nets and the Suns. I, I, are you really seeing Daffer Booker as a guy? You re-signed Chris Paul. The Nets are fully healthy. That definitely could be an exciting game. The last one, I say the Clippers and the Mavericks because I'm, I have question marks for both teams. It's because Kawhi's mostly up for next year. You bring him back. You you resign uh, Luca and who knows how what is KP gonna do? Is he gonna be healthy? A lot of those are definitely exciting games, but you just never know. Yeah, you just never know about that. That's for sure. So, Chris, what are you? What out of these games? On opening week of the 2021-2022 NBA season, what games are you looking forward to the most out of the out of this group? I mean, one would, would be the Mavericks, the Mavericks and Atlanta. Uh, 
you know, Ma- Dallas Mavericks got a new head coach and Jason Kidd, and Luca got his new contract. Who knows what's going to happen in, uh, with, with KP? And then you also have the, you know, the Lakers signing a bunch of players. You still have LeBron and seeing how that would do. There, there's a lot of good games, so it's, it's kind of hard to choose, but those, those would probably be the two. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are very good games there, that's for sure. So, Sammy, out of this list of games that the NBA released for the 2021-2022 season, what game are you looking forward to the most out of that group? Well, out of this group, you know, unfortunately my Cavs didn't make the list. But uh, my little brother, he's a big uh, Warriors fan. So I'll probably, you know, watch the uh, Warriors-Lakers game. Uh, you know, see Clay Thompson and the return of the Splash Bros uh, type of setup. And, uh, you know, in the battle of probably the Eastern Conference uh, in the Nets and the 76ers, uh, you know, Joel Embiid will be 100% healthy, and we'll see him, uh, you know, possibly go back for an MVP because he was second place last year. So we could possibly see him uh, win an MVP this year uh, and wanting to win an Eastern Conference championship. Carries uh, 76ers there. Absolutely. I think that could definitely happen. But anyway, so I have a question for all of you. What Christmas Day game are you guys looking forward to the most? For me, I'm looking forward to seeing Lakers Nets. Isaiah, what about you? Uh, Definitely Lakers Nets got to be number one on that list because you got the big three of Brooklyn, KD, Kyrie and James Harden versus the big three of LA, LeBron, um, AD and Russell Westbrook. That's going to be one of the most highly anticipated games of the season so definitely looking forward to that game but besides that one um i gotta say warriors and Suns because i think that matchup these two teams you know you got curry and thompson on one side uh and draymond green and then on phoenix you've got the devin booker chris paul and also cam johnson mikhail bridges as well really young a good young upstart team so it's basically the young versus the old and these two teams i feel like they're a bit similar in terms of their offensive style. Both these two teams love to push the ball up and down the court. Both these two teams love to move the basketball and shoot a lot of threes. So I think you're going to see a lot of threes in that game, and it's going to be a really, really exciting offensive game between the Warriors and the Phoenix Suns. And plus, this game's going to be in the desert in Phoenix, and as we saw with the NBA Finals and with the run the Phoenix Suns had, that crowd in the desert, man, it's deafening. So I'm definitely looking forward to seeing uh, the Warriors versus the Suns. That should be a fantastic game on Christmas Day, that's for sure. So anyway, Sammy, uh, what do you what out of these Christmas Day games on Chris out of these games on Christmas Day, what game are you looking forward to the most? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to tell you like any basketball fan will tell you, any, man. The Lakers and Nets, man, they, you know, they're going to have nine to ten Hall of future Hall of Famers playing that one game. Uh, we're never going to see a, uh, anything like this again probably in our lifetimes. So, you know, I think that if this, these are, both teams are 100% healthy, you know, this could be a historic matchup between the two Titans and a preview into the NBA Finals. That could definitely happen there, that's for sure. So... John, out of these Christmas Day games, which one are you looking forward to the most? See, I hate to be a repetition, but pretty much what Sammy said, yeah, you can talk about the Suns and the Warriors. It's exciting. But LeBron, AD, and 
KD fully healthy. Yes, you could say he's on the Golden State Warriors team back then, but a fully healthy KD, a Kyrie, all these guys. I think that even though I don't really watch much basketball, I can guarantee you in that game, I'm definitely tuning in. Absolutely, that's a good game to tune into. That's for sure. So, anyways, uh, let's go to Chris on this one. Out of those Christmas Day games, I know you're going to say Mavericks and yeah. and Jazz since you since you you're a Mavs fan. So. Are you looking forward to seeing the Lakers play the Nets or the Suns and the and the Warriors? I would probably say the Lakers and the in the Nets. That I mean, to me is Yeah. That's gonna be a great game. I mean, I look forward to watching that, that's for sure. So, anyways, uh, with that being said, let's go to our comments section here. So the chair with James Gonzalez. We'll get to his comment in just a minute. So Ishmael Lancaster, a big fan of this show, just said, uh LaMelo is a stud. Golden State is stupid for passing up on him, which I could agree, but I think the Hornets needed a uh, point guard, that's for sure. So the chair with James Gonzalez, he said, uh, the NBA has to shorten their regular season. I'm like, no, not necessarily. Just They just had to shorten it last year because of the COVID pandemic. And then the chair with James Gonzalez also said, Kemba Walker versus his old team on October 30th. That should be an intriguing matchup when the Knicks yeah. take on the Celtics. And then the chair of James Gonzalez said, uh, can't wait to get to the trade deadline and see if Ben Simmons is moved or if Philadelphia will be stuck with him. And he also said, love seeing Trey Young versus Luka Doncic. And he also said the last time the Phoenix Suns played on Christmas Day was in the Steve Nash era. Now, with that being said, Draymond Green and Kevin Durant had a one-on-one -on -one conversation on the Bleacher Report YouTube channel where they opened up and discussed many things, including KD's decision to sign with Golden State, his decision to depart Golden State, and also the infamous KD-Draymond argument versus the Clippers back in 2018. Draymond and KD both ripped Warriors GM Bob Myers and Steve Kerr for how they handled the aftermath of the Draymond KD argument, and Draymond said they fed it up. Thoughts on Draymond and KD's comments, and do you believe that Draymond ruined his relationship with the Warriors with those comments? I'm going to say not really. I mean, I think his relationship with Kevin Durant was ruined. What about you, Isaiah? Well, let me say this. Um, I watched the majority of that clip or that interview between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant. Let me just say this. Draymond Green, I think, has a future in sports broadcasting. He's a really, really good interviewer. And I think that when he decides to hang it up and retire from playing basketball, I think he should definitely uh, be a commentator or be like an analyst on TV. I think he would do a really, really good job of that. Uh, but going into the actual interview, though, between Draymond Green and Kevin Durant, um, you know, my thoughts on it were that I felt like, KD and Draymond were just trying to look good in front of the camera and it wasn't a truthful conversation. And why I say that is because when you see what was reported after Draymond and KD had their con or had their argument on the sidelines and you know sources were telling other writers that you know they even I believe had a 
a, a spat in the locker room and KD base or Draymond Green basically questioned Kevin Durant's commitment to the Golden State Warriors saying we've won two championships in your two seasons here uh, and we're about to go and try to win a third championship why do you have one foot out the door it makes no sense we are on a historically great run and you somehow some way have one foot out the door in golden state it makes no sense whatsoever and kevin durant um he basically said through sources that you know we're playing basketball right now we're playing basketball why are you talking to me about my future in a game in December. It makes no sense whatsoever. Um, I just thought that like those two guys were saying that uh, like Draymond or KD leaving had nothing to do with, you know, the, the argument. And I think that that's completely, uh, that's completely false. I really do because there's so many sources and comments that I've said before that, uh, that the reason why Kevin Durant left was because of Draymond Green and him bringing up free agency and that argument and that spat that they have. And I just think that Draymond and KD, they didn't want to get confrontational during the interview. They wanted to play nice and just blame others. And I think that's what really happened in this interview. And as far as, you know, the question about did Draymond Green ruin his relationship with the Golden State Warriors with those comments? Heck yeah, he did. Because Draymond Green, if you watch that interview, he acted like he didn't play for the Golden State Warriors anymore. He was throwing the GM under the bus. He threw the head coach under the bus. Uh, he threw many people on that Warriors coaching staff and also the Warriors players under the bus. You literally play for the Golden State Warriors. What are you doing ripping the organization and acting like you don't play for them when you play for the organization? So now when you step back into that locker room and step back into that Warriors building, like you basically just threw your employer under the bus. Where are you like it's gonna be such an awkward conversation it's going to be such an awkward season for Draymond Green and the Warriors and I, and I know Draymond Green has this attitude where it's like no F's given but dude you play for that organization they are the ones that sign your check and you just threw the entire building under the bus so I would not be surprised fellas if Draymond Green gets traded in the next coming months I, I really uh, would not be surprised and I think that Draymond Green with those comments I think that Draymond Green wrote his own exit letter from Golden State. That could potentially happen there, that's for sure. So, uh, John, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, what are your thoughts on watching the Draymond Green and KD interview with Bleacher Report? Man, I can't wait to watch it. I'm hoping it's authentic because this is the thing as men, we make mistakes and say something to someone, hey, I was out of line. You need to have that conversation, and thankfully, that's the conversation. Do I know if it was if it was real, if it was fake? I don't know. I really hope it was, just because I can understand like their frustration. Like, if you're Katie, you're about winning rings, or obviously not sick of caring about how it how we got the rings. But it's important to have that conversation. But again, at the end of the day, in sports media, who really knows which interviews are authentic or not? And then Chris and Sammy, I mean, if you guys want to go first on this comment, did you guys, what was your thoughts on the Kevin Durant and Draymond Green one-on-one -on -one conversation with Bleacher Report? Um, you know, uh, as far as Kevin Durant and uh, Draymond Green's relationship, uh, they, they've kind of, uh, you know, 
made up a while uh, while before this. Uh, I don't know, Isaiah, if you know, uh, Kevin Durant has his own uh, little podcast. Uh, Draymond has been on that podcast many a times where they talked about their times in the Warriors and the times previous uh, before um, KD joined the Warriors. Um, you know, I don't I don't think that this is uh, disingenuous uh, because, of you know, it's not like that they're holding back anything at this point. I mean, these guys have been friends and have talked to each other, and it's been two years past since – or three years now since all this has happened. So, you know, I, I don't think that holding anything back would do any – I mean, there's no point of it at this point. Um, it's too grow, they're two uh, grown adults. So, you know, it, it's not like that any hurt feelings will change anything by now. But, you know, as far as, you know, Draymond Green's role, you know, I know he's he was challenging Kevin Durant, uh, you know, telling him that he has one foot out of the door, trying to, you know, push him. To, uh, you know, that, that's kind of his role. That's his role in the locker room is to be that team leader. Uh, whenever the Warriors were in their dynasty, he was that vocal point of those Warriors teams, a defensive uh, linebacker almost, uh, you know, calling the play, signaling it, you know. So it, that was kind of his role. Um, as far as, you know, questioning Steve Kerr and questioning the GM and how they handled it, uh, from that's why I'm pretty sure I read into, um, you know, <clears throat> I mean, it could have probably been handled differently. Uh, I'm sure that situation could have been handled a lot better on uh, Steve Kerr's side and handled better on uh, the uh, GM side of the things. Uh, splitting up the two or maybe giving them, you know, time away from each other before things escalated to the, the point where they escalated and where it sounded like that uh, Draymond Green was questioning if he wants to stay or not. Because, you know, whenever you're in, in, in very emotional – you say stuff that you know you don't actually mean. You say stuff to chat, push the other person uh, rather than be uh, factual. So I think that you know Draymond. I already know he's an emotional guy. You watch if you watch basketball, watch Draymond Green. He's a very emotional player. Uh, you know, a very emotional leader. So he's he's going to push. He's going to try to push his players and try to push his teammates. Uh, you know, and I think that was what he tried to do, but it didn't work. Uh, with in the case of Kevin Durant. And uh, I think it did uh, that situation specifically, uh, even if Kevin Durant would had a foot out the door, uh, that pushed him out the door, so to speak, uh, the rest of the way out. Uh, if, if, you know, and we're playing the world of ifs here, if Steve Kerr um, or, you know, the GM did handle it differently and separate those two and, you know, figured out a situation, something different from what happened, you know, maybe Kevin Durant stays, but there's no guarantee because maybe Kevin Durant wanted to, you know, get out of the Golden State Warrior spotlight, which I feel like that's why he left in the uh, first place, to get out of that, you know, overcasting uh, shadow the Golden State Warriors have with the Splash Brothers and that 73-9 and team. That could definitely happen, that's for sure. So, uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on the, the Draymond Green and uh, Kevin Durant interview? I haven't seen it, but it... I don't think they have any friction or, you know, any hard feelings since they were teammates. I, I think it was just, uh, uh, you know, just two two friends talking. That's what I gathered from it. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, I mean, if you look at it, I mean, who knows what the situation holds, that's for sure, folks. So, anyways, um Let's go on to the Lakers subject here. So the Lakers worked out Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas 
Darren Collison, and Mike James for a potential roster spot. If you were the Lakers, and if you only had to give one roster spot available, who are you signing? I'm going to go with Isaiah Thomas. I think the Lakers need a point guard to back up uh, Russell Westbrook, and Isaiah Thomas could really give the Lakers that insurance that they need here. So Isaiah, Chris, and, and Sammy, what do you guys think? So Isaiah, you go first. Um, you know, if I have one spot, well, Darren Collison, he hasn't played, I believe, in a year and a half. I think he sat out the last couple of years. Um, Mike James, you know, he's kind of inconsistent. I would, and Isaiah Thomas, you know, also, he hasn't really played meaningful minutes since what the last time he's played meaningful minutes was with the Cavs. And I would give it to him just because, like you said, Loro, I think that uh, even though we shouldn't really base our opinions on whether a player is back fully healthy or not by a pro-am game because a pro-am competition is not NBA competition. But Isaiah Thomas did look good in that pro-am game that he played. I think when he scored like 81 points, he looked good. He looked more agile. He looked uh, very athletic in that game. And he's a guy, like you said, could be another ball handler for the Lakers, could be another point guard to back up Russell Westbrook. And he doesn't have to be the Isaiah Thomas that we saw in Boston um, for the Lakers. He just needs to be a guy that just comes in, gives you like, you know, 10 minutes of play a night uh, to spell Russell Westbrook, spell LeBron James, run the offense and score like seven, eight points a game. And you'll be happy with his production because you have Carmelo Anthony, you have Trevor Ariza, you have Baysmore, you have uh, Dwight Howard, you have all those guys on the team that can get you buckets. You just need Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas, if he does get signed, to be able to come in and just, you know, run the offense and the spell LeBron James and to spell Russell Westbrook and give you that energy off the bench. Uh, so I would go with IT. I'm with you on that. IT would be the best option for the Lakers, that's for sure. So, uh, John, I'm going to go with you next. If you were the Lakers, who would you choose to sign? Isaiah Thomas, Derek Collison, or Mike James? I mean, why would you sign IT in the first place? If James, if this is the case with James is saying right here, and he doesn't like Isaiah Thomas, because this is not the Los Angeles Lakers here, folks. I got to Brian. This is the Los Angeles LeBron. It, LeBron wants, LeBron gets. And how LeBron gets is how it goes. LeBron didn't like you, you're gone faster than a girl is dating another guy in high school. So, I mean, who knows? At this point, I wouldn't, did it really need to add anybody at this point? You're just really stacked to the face at that point. But, I mean, who knows at this point? It's really hard to tell. If I was a player be honest with you, I would want to play with LeBron because you never know whether you're coming or going inconsistently, like I say, a sports takes. Absolutely. I mean, uh, I, I said I would choose Isaiah Thomas, but also, Sammy, I'm going to go with you. If you were the Lakers, who would you choose to to be on the roster? Isaiah Thomas, Jaron Collison, or Mike James? Well, uh, if I'm forced to choose between the three, I would say IT uh, because he, he seemed like, you know, he has that scoring ability, so he has that potential still to go off. Uh, but you know, if I was to if I was to pick the last person myself, I was the GM. Uh, you know, I would try to get a Jawan Howard type player, um, like how Jawan Howard's rollback was in, uh, in the 2012 Heat team, and uh, go after Dwayne Wade. 
and have uh, three of the four uh, Banana Boat brothers uh, be on the Lakers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, that could definitely happen there. So, Chris, I'm going to go with you. Who would you choose if you were the Lakers? Would you want them to sign Isaiah Thomas or Darren Collison or Mike James? I'd pick uh, Isaiah Thomas, although I, I wouldn't personally wouldn't want to be with the uh, with the Lakers because of LeBron, but I'd probably pick Isaiah Thomas. Maybe so, Chris. I mean, I, I, everybody I think seems to like Isaiah Thomas. No. Let's also uh, go back to our comment section. So the share with James Gonzalez says, uh, he says, he says, sucks when egos get in the way of being together. That could, that's definitely a good point on that situation. And then uh, the chair with James Gonzalez says, uh, KD was talking about, KD was talking about his free agent plans during that season. Green is a horrid loudmouth that would be a nobody if he wasn't on the Warriors. And then Ishmael Lancaster, he said, is Draymond gone from the Golden State Warriors after being bashed, after bashing the Warriors GM and head coach? That could be a possibility. And then, funny how these type of sit-down interviews usually happen when players are already retired. And then the chair with James Gonzalez also said that uh, LeBron hates Isaiah Thomas, so he's not going to the Lakers. I th and I'm like, that could definitely happen. It they could fix that relationship, that's for sure. Now let's go on to the college football segment. The ACC, the Pac-12, and the Big Ten are reportedly in, in an early stage negotiations to form an alliance between the three conferences. Do you love or hate this potential alliance? I'm going to say I'm 50-50 on that one. What about you guys? I hate it all. I, I mean, you're already getting a lot to the one division in college football. I'm done with college football. I'm a UT fan for life, but college football itself, I can't stand anywhere because you're going to have all these conferences so stacked and one or two conferences college football as we know it. Just like the Marvel Cinematic Universe isn't going to be the same. What about you, Isaiah? Well, if I was a UT fan, I would have quit college football years ago watching how incompetent my team is. But, uh, it's about running with Michigan. You just know, I had to get that dig in there. But, uh, about, you know, this, like I said, when the news trickled in that Oklahoma and Texas were going to the SEC, I said, fellas, buckle up because the college football that we knew it was dead. That college football that we knew it was dead, and we are now in the era of super conferences. So I'm not surprised that this is happening because I thought that this was going to happen once Oklahoma and Texas went to the SEC to form the super mega conference, which is the Southeastern Conference. And now these conferences like the Big Ten, the ACC, the Pac-12, they got to make a move to respond to the SEC flexing over everybody else. So I'm not surprised whatsoever if I'm a team like USC and Oregon or even Washington State or Arizona State, I'm fearing for my like the, my program's life because now you're going to have to go up year in and year out. And by the way, these this alliance that they have, you read the article, it's not like they're all going to merge and form like a 33-team conference. No, it's going to be formed around scheduling. So instead of, I believe, instead of the conference games that 
each conference plays, you're going to be playing teams from the Big Ten and the ACC if you're the Pac-12. And if you're the Big Ten, you're going to be playing teams like the ACC um, and the Pac-12. So if you're a USC in Oregon, good luck having to deal with Clemson, Ohio State, Michigan, uh, Florida State, Michigan State year in and year out. Um, like USC, which is already kind of a dead program because they haven't done anything in the last several years ever since Pete Carroll left. Well, their program's not going to be relevant for another 10 to 15 years with this alliance. So uh, I'm worried for some of the teams in the Pac-12, though I, as a college football fan, I am excited because that means we get to see like the USC Oregon's versus Ohio State or versus Clemson. We get to see Ohio State versus Clemson on a yearly basis, uh, Michigan versus USC. It's going to be you know a lot of great matchups if you're a college football fan. So if you're a college football fan, you should be really, really excited by by some of the matchups that we are about to see. But if you're like a fan of some of these programs like USC or Oregon, you guys should be scared because I don't think you guys are going to be making the college football playoff for a very long time. Absolutely. And then, Sammy, I'm going to go with you in this one. Do you love this alliance or do you hate this alliance? Uh, well, I think that I have a sneaking suspicion that this also alliance is going to include no scheduling the SEC real big in the top of it. So, you know, to try to cut them out somehow, some way, because SEC is going to be way overpowered already with all the the type of scheduling they're going to have whenever Oklahoma and Texas join in uh, to the conference. But, you know, uh, Isaiah, I don't think you should be that worried because the ACC and the Big Ten, uh, you go down the ladder and they have some pretty weak teams. I mean, you could get Boston College and Northwestern one year, uh, you know, or, you know, a uh, Illinois and another low-level ACC team. outside. I mean, really, outside of Clemson, the ACC has been a joke of a conference, really. Uh, and Florida State, you take out Florida State and Clemson, it's been a bad conference. But, you know, as far as um, these three conferences, I don't think that anything is going to stick uh, just because of uh, money. Uh, that type of – I think that there's not going to be any – I don't know if there's going to be an agreement – on to anything that, uh, to make it official. But, you know, what we could see is a lot of realigning if it doesn't happen, especially with the uh, remaining Big 12 teams. Uh, I think that with that uh, realignment, we're going to see a lot of uh, of the Big 12 teams either go to, um, you know, between the Big 10, the um, American Conference, and the Pac-12. We're going to see... Those three team, those three conference, added a whole bunch of teams. So we'll have to see, you know, how that unfolds with the remaining Big Twelve teams, and we're going to have to see, you know, if there's any new conferences formed, because I'm sure, you know, when like whenever the Big East uh, deassembled and whenever the Southwest Conference uh, deassembled, there was two or three conferences that were created uh, based off uh, of those uh, dismantlings. So we'll have to see how this all unfolds uh, from the Big 12 standpoint of this. And what about you, Chris? What do you think? Do you think that this – do you hate this alliance or do you love this alliance? I'm kind of I'm kind of like you. I'm 50-50 on it. But as far as, like, what we knew of college football, I think that went away a long time ago when A&M went to SEC because they were in the Big 12 and – I think that's pretty much how the conference realignment and, you know, teams moving from one conference to another. 
I think a lot of that's where a lot of it started. I mean, it it, it could, but I mean, I'm I'm kind of fifty fifty on this. So let's go to our comment section. Ishmael Lancaster says, "Fellas, is Clay Helton on the hot seat of college football?" I'll be like, most likely yes, but it's going to all depend on if he can perform, make his team perform at a high level this season. And then he, uh, the MI6 network says, wonder if Notre Dame will be included in this alliance. Maybe so. And then the MI6 YouTube page also said, wonder if Notre Dame will be included in this alliance. So they wrote that twice. So also Ishmael Lancaster said, the Pac-12 should take Boise State and Oklahoma. <laughs> Good luck with that. So, and then he also put Oklahoma State, I meant. Laurel, I would like to uh, also chime in on, I believe we had a comment about Clay Helton, right, from Ishmael. Uh, yes. It was like, if Clay Helton's on the hottest seat in college football, uh, yeah, he definitely is on the hottest seat of college football. In fact, I I think he should have been fired like four or five years ago. I don't know why this man still has a job um, in coaching USC. It makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, he makes atrocious coaching decisions every single weekend. USC is underperforming both on the field and in the recruiting trail. So it I don't under really understand why he still has a job. John, if you were infuriated about how Tom Herman should have been fired – Clay Helton, that is how uh, infuriated I am about Clay Helton. That man should have been fired five years ago. And uh, if USC goes like, let's say, let's say they even lose two games, he should still be fired. But Clay Helton is uh, the college coach of all time. He's better than uh, Urban Meyer and all those guys. Come on, this is you know, possible more better than that. We'll have to wait and see, folks, on that, that's for sure. But we'll talk about breaking news in just a minute. So Casey King just chimed in, and he also says, Hi, guys, and good evening to you all. The top fan of the MI6 network, Casey King, is, is tuning in right now. And then he also says, Yes, Clay Helton is a killer to USC and should have been fired after the 2018 season. I definitely agree on that. USC should be better at finding their next head coach that could lead this group of men and make this an established and successful program already. What do you guys think? Oh, I like I said, he should have been fired five years ago. And the guy that I really been stomping on for to be the next head coach of USC is Jack Del Rio. I think that Jack Del Rio would be a great fit to coach USC because he's he went to USC uh, as like in his oh yeah he went to USC he played for USC I believe he was like um, a great player for USC back in the day. And when you look at what college kids want, college kids. They want a coach that can help take them to the NFL and help develop them. And Jack Del Rio has coached in the NFL. He's coached at the highest level in the NFL. He knows what it takes to get young kids to the NFL. So I think he would be a great fit. But Sammy, Chris, John, uh, you guys can have the floor. What do you guys think? I think Clay Hilton or should get a 10-year extension with the team. I think he should be given full reins of everything in the organization just – 
They're really pissed off Isaiah Leon. Give him the full attention. Let him be the GM. Let him be the owner. Obviously, I'm just doing the Jack Isaiah here, but there's obviously no doubt that he should be going through the 2018 season like a third coach of the NFL here. Jack Gabriel would be interested. Yes, maybe it didn't work out with the Raiders or a little bit with the Jaguars, but again, some guys aren't good at the NFL coaching, and some guys are really good at coaching Colts football. So, why not give him a shot? What do you really have to lose at this one, especially if uh, the overrated quarterback is going to the draft in 2022? Um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Sammy. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, uh, Clay Hilton's success definitely uh, shows that Steve Sarkeesian should have been there longer. Uh, it's very unfortunate, you know, the type of way he acted. Uh, on his way out, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that he was going through in personal his personal life. Uh, but you know, it's you're the head coach of USC, a uh, very prestigious program. That's something that you cannot do. So you know, but it shows the type of re- recruiting talent he had, uh, and he was able to go from Washington, revive that program basically into a bowl program, and uh, he gave it to the next Chris Peterson. And they were able to make a playoff with most of uh, Steve Sarkeesian's players. And then Steve Sarkeesian comes in to USC, gets you Sam Darnold, gets you all this talent. Or Dory, I'm pretty sure Dory Jackson was another player. Uh, you could go down the list of USC players in the NFL right now that are recruited to USC uh, by Steve Sarkeesian and his staff. But, you know, it just shows, um, you know, the type of talent he was bringing in back into the program. Uh, I wish he was able to stay there longer, personally, because I think that it would have been good for the USC uh, to finally have that West Coast uh, type uh, coach, type of coach, and fit the lifestyle of uh, the U- USC. And, um, you know, I think that would be somewhere that Steve Sarkeesian would be able to, you know, have a 15- to 20-year career in, personal, in my opinion. All right, folks. So, Chris, what do you? So, uh, with that being said, folks, uh, Sammy just left because of technical difficulties. We got uh, breaking news to talk about right now, which is in the NFL. So, let's uh, play you the breaking news alert right now. Loro, we got you. Loro, you're muted, buddy. I think you're muted. Loro, you're muted. Loro, we might be having some technical difficulties on Loro's side, but um, yeah, I I don't know what's going on right now, uh, but. Uh, I think the breaking news that he wanted to drop was that the Patriots beat the Eagles, I believe, by a final score of uh, 35 to nothing. So a huge butt whooping there uh, in Philadelphia. But, Loro, do we have you back? Yeah. All right, cool, cool. 
Yeah, so the Patriots beat the uh, Eagles 35 to nothing. So, uh, Isaiah, what are your thoughts on this? And do you think and do you think that you could see Mac Jones now take over the reins as starting quarterback? Well, I think that the Patriots and Eagles quarterback battle is still like too close to call because Mac Jones went 13 of 19 for 146 yards, uh, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He did look really confident and looked really poised though in the pocket. Uh, and then Cam Newton was oh eight or he was eight of nine for 103 yards and a touchdown. So both of those guys looked good, but I think next week in preseason week three, that's going to be the really telling sign of who. I believe is going to be the Patriots starter in week one. I think it's just really too close to call because both guys had similar uh, great performances tonight. They did have good performances tonight, that's for sure. So what about you, uh, John and uh, Chris? This is the problem with NFL fans. If I see one of them, oh my gosh, I hate it. I'm going to terrible They're going to win it. There's always those fans like that, and y'all are not true. Yes, they destroyed the demolished out of them completely. But again, it is a preseason game. It was over at halftime when it was 19 this year. Towards the middle or towards the end of the third quarter, you already saw the Eagles putting up their second and third straight players. So you knew at that point it was already over. I believe they put in Jared No, it wasn't even Jared Stidham that was playing towards the end of the third heading into the fourth quarter. So you already knew it was over at that point in time. And yeah, we saw early on when the Eagles had that over snap to Joe a ten yard over uh, Joe Flacco to really get the Patriots the advance of that first score. They really set that tempo in the game with that play right there. You had a bunch of other guys playing, and let's see what happens. So Fluco does what Joe Fluco does, and uh, we'll just see what happens this season. But let's not overreact. It's just a preseason game. The Bills are still winning the division. You're right about that, uh, John. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, what are your thoughts on the uh, Patriots uh, beating the uh, Philadelphia Eagles? I-, I think whoever starts preseason game number three might might most likely be the starter for week one. I'm surprised Philadelphia didn't at least get one score or at least two just to kind of put some points on the board, but like we've been saying, it's only preseason. I, I wouldn't be worried, you know, if, if this was, you know, the only four games we got in a season. But we're just going to have to see how, how things go. Absolutely. So, anyways, uh, anyways, folks, with that being said here, uh, let's move on to our final topic of the night, and that is Major League Baseball. So, Major League Baseball has reportedly proposed a $100 million payroll minimum and a $180 luxury tax in the latest CBA negotiations with the Players Union. Like what MLB is offering to the players? Isaiah, let me start with you. Oh, um, you know, I, I like it. I really like it, what MLB is offering to the players. I think it's a good first step because when we look at what the players are mad at uh, with the owners and with the with Major League Baseball as a whole, one of the things that they are mad at is the fact that some of the owners don't spend any money. You look at the Oakland A's, their payroll before they added Starling Marte and Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes, their payroll, I believe, was sitting only at 
$50 million. And then you have other teams like the Cleveland Indians, the Pittsburgh Pirates, that have like $40 million payrolls. If you have this proposal, it will make the owners have to spend $100 million at minimum. And I think that would really help you – uh, for teams like the A's, the Pirates, the Indians, and also the players, because I mean they will get a huge bump in their salary. The owners will not like it, obviously, because they're going to be forced to have to dig deep in their into their wallets and spend, you know, at least a hundred million dollars plus to like to for their ball club, or else they're going to get penalized. But I think this is good for the players, and I really think the the players should definitely accept. Uh, this proposal because I think that it really helps them getting more money. Uh, it helps that their team is going to be spending more money, which is good for the fans. It's good for everybody. Um, I like this proposal for Major League Baseball, but this is just the first step. I think that uh, if they can continue on their way down this path uh, and try to please the players and not like give the players everything they want, like obviously meet in the middle, but I think that this is a good first step for both the players and the owners. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, so uh, Chris, what do you think? I think it's well needed. I, I think they need to kind of figure, like most of the other teams or other leagues have some kind of salary cap or some kind of uh, budget they follow. Major League Baseball doesn't at the moment. And I feel like players and, and sometimes teams have a little more extra money to spend and, and players have a little more money uh, added on to their contracts. And I, I feel like they're over overpaid too much and maybe it's it's now time to to see how much they can really afford their, their players, their top players. Absolutely. So with that being said, folks, you know, tonight was a fantastic show and it was and with that, it was a fantastic show, and uh, I I thought that it was uh, it was great talking sports with you all. But we're moving on to our final thoughts. All right, folks. So uh, I'm going to say here thanks to Casey King and 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 uh, Ishmael and uh, and uh, James Gonzalez for t to chiming in on us today, and also thanks to Sammy Sharp and all the people at MI6 for making this show very good. So Isaiah, what are your final thoughts today? Yeah, I want to first start by echoing what Loro had to say. I want to thank, um, you know, Christy Wilson, Ishmael, uh, James Gonzalez, as well as Casey King uh, for tuning in on tonight's show and giving us, you know, their wonderful thoughts and comments. We really appreciate you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I also want to thank, you know, you guys, Chris, John, uh, Loro for holding down the fort in the beginning while I had those terrible technical difficulties. I hope I could, you know, I hope my computer is able to cooperate with me um, in the future so I don't have to miss, you know, a good chunk of the beginning of the program. But it was a great show. Um, looking forward to Wild Sports Talk uh, on Monday. It's going to be, I know that's going to be a really, really good show. Um, 
we have a couple of announcements. I'll let Laurel handle the second announcement because it's a great announcement for him uh, and also for the network as well. But we on Tuesday, next Tuesday, August 24th, we are going to be joined by Bleacher Reports NBA insider Jake Fisher, who's broken some amazing uh, stories and news regarding the NBA. He's going to be joining us at 5 p.m. Pacific time, 8 p.m. on the East Coast. So make sure you guys tune in for that. It's going to be a great interview. Um, but And also tonight, later on tonight, after this program is over, go to the Coast to Coast Entertainment Network and check uh, our program or the program Speak Out as I will be on that program alongside uh, Ace and Trey Collis. And we will be talking some great sports. And also it's open forum night. So you guys can ask us whatever questions about sports that you guys want and also give us whatever topics that you guys want. So tune in to that show after we're done here. All right. So, so anyways, uh, this upcoming fall, uh, Isaiah Leong, myself, I'm also bringing in Ben Kirst uh, to uh, do this NFL show that's going to be launching on Sunday, September 12th at 12 a.m. Eastern time, 9, 9 p.m. Pacific. It's called Extra Point. It is going to be a great NFL show that we're going to be recapping each of the Sunday games. We'll also recap Thursday Night Football for you. And then... We'll do a little bit of both. Talk about Monday Night Football. We'll recap last week's Monday Night Football game and then preview the next week's Monday Night Football game. But with week one approaching, the focus for that first show is to, to preview that Monday Night Football game when the Raiders take on the Ravens. So it's going to be a lot of good stuff going on. I mean, I look forward to uh, this NFL show coming up. It is going to be a fantastic show that Isaiah and I are going to be launching. And uh, also, Isaiah, I have a question for you. So the interview that is coming up on Tuesday, is that on Wild Sports Talk? Uh, yes, that's going to be on Wild Sports Talk. Okay, I'll message you after the show that I, that I plan to be there for that. So uh, right. anyways, uh, Chris Bacon and, uh, and John, what are your final thoughts tonight? Man, so it was good to talk to Chrissy Bacon. I mean, who doesn't like Chrissy Bacon and vice versa here? But uh, no, it's a good, finally glad to have the best sport back on the planet. Not basketball, basketball's great. Not baseball, not not football, according to others here. And again, it's all good and fun in opinion, but uh, you just never know what can happen. But hey, I will be going week one to the Texans and Jaguars game. So uh, Trevor Lawrence, I really hope you better be starting week one and maybe talk some fun, a little bit of trash to the coaches and see if they can handle it a little bit. And what about you, Chris? What are your final thoughts on the show today? Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I just saw that the Baltimore Orioles lost another game. I believe that's their 15th loss. In oh, man. Street. Yeah. That is crazy. That 15 is. loss in a row, man. All right, folks. So uh, next Wild Sports Talk will be on Monday and Tuesday of next week. I won't be on Monday because I'll be calling Monday Night Football for the ColorCast app. I'll be back with I'll be back on the show on Tuesday when we have this when we have a special guest join Wild Sports Talk. I just messaged Isaiah about who the name of that person is. I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a great show. So for Isaiah Leong, John Alcorn, Chris Bacon. Loro signing off for now. Have a great night, everybody. And we will talk to you again on Monday and Tuesday for Wild Sports Talk. And be sure to tune into the other programs that Isaiah has mentioned for tonight as well. So have a great night, everyone.